Welcome to Newsmakers on CHCH Podcast. I'm your host, Louis Butko, and today I'm very pleased to be joined by the leader of the Ontario Liberty, Crombie. Crombie was first elected as an MP in Mississauga, serving as a Liberal in Parliament for three years. In 2011, she was elected as a city councillor, but was endorsed by Hazel McCallion to replace her as mayor, which she eventually won and then won two more terms in 2018 and 2022, increasing her share of the vote each time. In 2023, Crombie announced her candidacy for the Ontario Liberal Leadership Race and last month defeated Nathaniel Erskine-Smith, Ted Shue, and Yasir Nakvi for the right to lead the Liberals into the next provincial election in 2026. And Ms. Crombie, very pleased to be joined by you today. And uh, we were just talking a little bit off the top that this is the first Monday in about 10 years in which you are not the mayor of Mississauga. What's that like for you? Well, I, I must say it's bittersweet. You know, I love my city and I love my people, but I also think I've left a very strong legacy. We've accomplished so much. You know, we've really taken Mississauga from sleepy suburb, uh, once where we were fruit trees and farmland, to the third largest city with the second largest economy in all of Ontario, a city where the demographics have changed and we have changed and we embrace height and density and intensification and we're building housing and in attracting new businesses. And I'm very proud of the legacy that I have left. And it's a very strong roadmap for whoever is selected after me to be mayor. Now, uh, some people may look at your, your your previous job and say, well, you know, the, the woman who served before you uh, held that role for, for quite a long time. You had her, her blessing to run, which you did. You increased your, your voter total every year. You had just won in 2022. A lot of people would look at that and think, why run for the Liberals? Why leave that job? So I got to ask, Ms. Crombie, why did you want this job? because people are hurting. And I thought if I could be the catalyst to make a difference in people's lives, I had a responsibility to do that. I still think politics is a noble profession. I gave back, um, I got involved to give back to people and make people's lives better. So as mayor, I think I've enriched the community and made people's lives better. And now I'm looking at Ontarians and life isn't affordable, and this government is moving us towards private medicine and, and outsourcing everything, including we've just seen Service Canada, Service Ontario locations. They're not investing in our education systems, and they're climate change deniers. They don't have a plan to address the effects of climate change. And I thought if I could make a difference and I could stand up to them and change the path that the province is on, then I had a responsibility to try to do that. So yes, you're quite right. I love Hazel McCallion. Uh, and yes, she came in to give me a kind of a quasi endorsement <laughs> after the advanced polls had closed and said that uh, she wanted a woman and a younger generation. And that was great. And as a result, I think my margins were maybe a little bigger. And yes, I grew my popular support with each election. I think the last time was about 78% or close to it. And I'm very proud to have represented the people of Mississauga. They're always going to be near and dear to my heart. And I'll always look at 
Mississauga as a lens of whether what I'm doing and what I'm recommending is the right thing for the province, because if it benefits Mississaugans, it will benefit one and all across the province. Let's talk about that liberal leadership race. Uh, you know, you, you were touting the the donations that came in because of that race as a party. I know uh, $1.2 million is, is what you guys were celebrating at the, the end of the month last month. But what did you learn about yourself during that leadership campaign? What did you learn about Ontarians? And what did you learn about the job that, that you are now tasked to have? So let me say with respect to Ontarians, how resilient they are. Um, and and how hardworking they are, and how they want they chose Ontario, many of them, as the place to raise their children because it was the land of opportunity. But that's now changing, and people are struggling. And and I thought that and I during the leadership race learned so much, and and really listened. I listened to people in the small towns in the rural communities, in the farming communities. And while the problems were similar everywhere, they were far more acute in the smaller towns in the northern communities. And and that's what I heard. And I really honestly can't wait to go back. And for myself, I learned that having a positive vision and being a strong leader that isn't negative served me well. And I think I will always continue on that path to be that positive force, that vision that doesn't, isn't negative, but, you know, provides a positive perspective and a positive change and a positive vision. And I think that's what Ontario's want. They want hope and they want a vision for positivity. And they want to know that Ontario will be affordable again, that their children will be able to purchase a home once again, that they will have access to healthcare when they need it, and that we will have a strong education system that will better prepare them and their children for the jobs of the future. You mentioned positive. Uh, there was some negative attacks on you. First, when you announced your run for, for leadership, uh, you know, the PC party immediately putting out a statement, you know, calling you out. Uh, and then when you won the leadership, again, um, immediately there were PC attack ads after you. Why do you think they didn't hesitate to, to jump? And, and why do you feel like they needed to attack uh, right away? I think they're concerned and they rightly should be concerned because I think I am a threat to them. I think they know that I'm, I'm very popular. I have great name recognition across the province, like the premier who's very good at retail politics so am I. And they're failing. They're floundering. And they don't, they don't have a path forward. This is a government that's driving in reverse. And of course, they, they yield to negativity because that's all they've got at this point. So I think what they're doing is a cover for their own errors. They're attacking me because they have no positive vision. So what we will do as a team is we will provide that very positive direction forward. We will prove to Ontarians that we are a very competent, viable, positive alternative that is trustworthy and ethical and that we have integrity. You know, liberalism, 
has been re-energized. The Liberal Party is back. You mentioned the Liberal Party is back. And, you know, looking at the numbers, with nine of 124 seats at Queen's Park, it's, it's not quite back. So how do you, in your role now, in the next two years leading up to 2026, make the Liberal Party relevant again? Because, again, nine seats is, is not even official party status. What's your plan to, to reinvent the Liberal Party and make them a popular option come 2026? To engage, to inspire, to be on the ground, to lead, and to listen. You know, I plan to be on the road a lot, meeting people and listening to them and their plights and their stories, and determining how I can help them, how I can make their lives better. When I got into politics, I made it my mantra each and every day, what am I going to do today to improve people's lives for the better? How will I make lives better? And that's what we will do at the grassroots level. We will act. We will be there. We will be present. There are a couple of things that my fellow colleagues, my counselor said about me when I was leaving. And I must say, I was very humbled what they learned. And they said that I was present on the ground, that I listened, that I, I was compassionate. And then, of course, that I had a lot of energy. <laughs> so all very positive things. And I was very humbled by their praise. Um, and we, we built up some great long-lasting friendships. Um, We have a lot of collegiality. But from what they observed, I think those are the qualities that will serve Ontarians as as well. Somebody who's engaged, who's present, who will listen, who is compassionate and kind, who wants to present a vision of positivity for them to improve their lives, make their lives more affordable, allow their children once again to realize that dream of home ownership having health care that's accessible to them when they need it, having a strong education system and a plan to address climate change. I see these as the most vital issues. I want to build our economy and make us stronger, just as I've done here in Mississauga. That focus on attracting business and growing our economy here in Mississauga to create jobs, creates prosperity, and allows everyone to thrive. And that would be my same, same focus as a leader and as a premier. Now, obviously, you you don't have a seat at Queen's Park, but if you did, if you had a chance to ask Doug Ford a question in question period, what would you say? February 17th, uh, you you get an opportunity to say something. What would your question be? Premier, you've misled the people of Ontario. They've placed their faith and their trust in you, and you've broken their trust. You've broken their confidence. You've shown that you are not a leader with integrity by reversing every decision you have made. You haven't consulted the people of Ontario. The time is now to resign. The people have lost their confidence in you. You don't have a path forward. You are under investigation by the RCMP and being probed by ethics and integrity commissioners. How do you intend to lead the province of Ontario and the people of Ontario under so much scrutiny. What is your plan to leave the province in better hands? When will you resign? Well, you did not hold back with that question, uh, Ms. Crombie. Uh, let's talk about some of his broken promises, one which affected your region uh, as you were mayor, and that being the uh, first, uh, you know, the, the, the reversal on the Peel governance decision. What did you make of that situation as the mayor of Mississauga, as somebody who was there up close and personal? What did you make of, of Premier Ford's reversal on that decision? 
So there are a lot of things that the Premier and I disagree about. But the one thing we do agree on is efficiency in government, cutting red tape, duplication, making government run more efficiently and affordably, and certainly having a second layer of government where you're duplicating infrastructure and various departments and jobs. Um, anecdotally, you know that that would take, <clears throat> excuse me, that that is defined as duplication, hmm. red tape, bureaucracy, um, and additional cost. And clearly there would be cost savings to each of the municipalities should each of them have the ability to stand on their own two feet, that the third largest city in the province should stop subsidizing the fourth largest city so that those tax dollars could be invested in their own city. That's the right thing to do, and he knows that, and he made that commitment to us, to the people of Mississauga, to the people of Peel, and to my predecessor, the iconic and beloved Hazel McCallion, and he said so publicly when he eulogized her at her funeral. So it's another broken promise. Um, and that said, there has been a lot of movement with the transition board that he appointed, and I have a lot of confidence in. These are professional people that are tasked to do a job, um, and they understand the challenges. And I suggest that they be instructed to do their homework, as Hazel McCallion always said, get to do your homework, and that's something this government doesn't do. They make announcements and then go back and realize they've done the wrong thing because they didn't do their due diligence, didn't study it, and didn't do their homework. So let the transition board do their work to analyze where the efficiencies are, are, where the cost savings would be, how to cut red tape and eliminate duplication and bureaucracy. Let them do that work as they have already begun. They've already announced that they're going to bring to the lower tier job, uh, planning and roads. That'll save Mississauga about $84 million a year. Imagine um, that they will likely put wastewater into a service agency uh, so it can be run by an outside board. Again, huge cost savings, uh, but yet seamless delivery of service to our residents. Um, and then the next task at hand would have been to look at health and human services. That work should continue and will continue. So this is really just phase one. This is phase one. Uh, if the transition board continues their work and proves they can create the business case to show that all three municipalities will be far better off in the long run without a second layer of government and all that duplication of cost, duplication of jobs, red tape. I mean, the premier wants us to build housing. It's a second layer of approvals, second layer of uh, analysis just to build more housing by approving it, our plans once at the city, then going up to the region to have the other municipalities buy in and another set of staff, another set of planners, hmm. another set of transit and, and public works, look at those plans and approve them a second time. Imagine the waste. Imagine the savings that could be generated and the time, um, the efficiency of time. We could speed up the approval process and build housing faster. That's everyone's goal. You know, this has been an outdated model created by Bill Davis to help the city of Brampton grow. We've done that. We've paid 70% of the cost for Brampton's growth up until the past 10 years, and then Brampton began to grow, and now, our, now we're paying about 60% of the costs in Mississauga to fund the region of Peel and fund their growth. 
And that's money that'd be better spent in our municipality. And Brampton should be investing within their own municipality to stand on their own two feet. So this is the right decision. Everyone will be further ahead. There will be cost savings in the long run for everyone. And there will be greater efficiencies. And we will get housing built faster. You mentioned some of the other issues. Let's jump into healthcare real quick. We've seen a number of uh, protests. Uh, we've seen nurses take to the streets. We've uh, taken other healthcare workers. Um, you mentioned the healthcare struggles. We've seen emergency rooms close, including here in Niagara, overnight areas. Um, what, what's what's the Liberal plan to to get healthcare back on track? Yeah, we have a very fulsome plan. And listen, I have a uh, Dr. Adil Shamji who would was an emergency room doctor and ran hospitals and clinics and uh, especially in the north for many years and we have a very comprehensive plan but the the government must invest in health care right now they're letting the private sector have their day and open up clinics and they're getting us used to going to private clinics taking the best and the brightest the doctors and nurses and in and enticing them to move to private clinics where you'll have to bring your credit card rather than than your OHIP card. That is money that needs to be invested in the public health care system to make it run more efficiently. And we need to invest in primary uh, care team medicine. We need primary care teams, as we all spoke about during this leadership race. There's so much to be done. But People need access to better health care, and that means a bigger investment in our health care system, and that's where this government has failed. They said, vote for us and we'll eliminate hallway medicine. But at the end of the day, wait times in hallway medicine has been worsened, not improved by the Ford government. Uh, let's look ahead to 2026. It seems like it's a far ways away, but I know for you and your party and your leadership team, it's it's coming up quick, uh, that being 2026. What is your plan for the next two years? You mentioned traveling to every corner of this province. Um, will you run in a by-election if one comes up, maybe in the Mississauga area? What's your plan for the next two years? Well, certainly I'll run in a, a by-election if it's logical. I mean, I am the mayor of Mississauga, so if there's one in Mississauga or in the GTA, I would certainly consider it. But my plan is to build, rebuild the party, starting with the grassroots, being present in all the small towns and northern communities. And uh, I'm just uh, looking at my travel schedule now, meeting with uh, Ontario Liberal Party officials and uh, you know, working very closely with them and my team and my colleagues at Queen's Park. We meet regularly on Tuesday. Tuesdays, we were delighted we exceeded the set and there were some sticks that we could raise that kind of money, but I put my mind to it and I made sure we not only met that goal, but we exceeded it and we're going to continue to fundraise at that pace. And of course, then there are candidates to nominate. I have gotten calls and emails and text messages from some of the best and brightest people I've ever met who want to stand for the Ontario Liberal Party in the next election. So there are a lot of people to vet and meet with, uh, a lot of uh, riding associations to meet with, a lot of community groups at the local level to meet with. Uh, so there's a lot of work to be done between now and June 2026. Now, I, I asked this cr- uh, question to uh, to NDP leader Marit Stiles last week. Uh, last year, or the 2022 election had a 43.53% turnout rate. That was the lowest ever in an Ontario election. What is the Liberal plan to get voters more engaged, particularly young voters, those 18 to 40 year olds?
adults, 18 to 45, who may be disenfranchised by politics, uh, what is your plan to get A, voter turnout, and B, youth voter voter turnout out for your party? It's a conundrum. Uh, Louis, you're quite right. Voter turnout is on the decline, but people do vote when they're engaged, and they do vote when we're inspired. And what I do know is they vote uh, handedly to vote out a government. And we've seen that in the past, and I expect we're going to see that in 2026. People are tired of this corrupt government that has turned their backs on average Ontarians. So I know they're going to come out and vote. Um, But we need to engage them with issues that matter to them, and specifically the younger voters that more typically stay at home and are not apathetic, but they don't feel that their vote matters. So we need to ensure that we speak to them about issues that matter to them and tell them that their vote does matter. And they do make a difference and a critical difference. They could be a very large voting block if they turned out. Right now, we know that seniors voters vote, seniors vote, and older adults vote. But we need to engage the youth, and it means speaking to them uh, about issues that matter to them, like their careers, like their future, like the prospect of owning a home, um, like what the economy will look like to give them opportunities to grow and to thrive. So, and, and the one issue I know that they're all very passionate about is the defining issue for our young people, and that's climate change. And what's our plan as a liberal government to address the effects of climate change? So those are the issues that will matter to Ontarians, and I know they'll be galvanized to come out and vote when they want to vote out a government, and I think that's what they're going to do in 2026. Uh, You worked with uh, a young Justin Trudeau when you were uh, an MP uh, back in the day. Are you you concerned that the the low numbers of the uh, the federal liberals uh, will hurt the provincial party at all? So... Not at all. I mean, certainly there will be a different uh, election cycle. The federal government will go to an election in 2025 and ours is in 2026. And you know what? I'm focused on my own issues. We're a different party. We deal with different issues, issues that matter to Ontarians, uh, like affordable housing, generally affordability, generally like health care, making it accessible to them when they need it. Seniors care, addressing the needs of our seniors, education climate change. Those are the issues I'm focused on. Federal government are focused on different issues as well, and their election cycle will be different. Appreciate your answer uh, on that question, Ms. Grumby. And I appreciate the time today. As mentioned, uh, your first day in 10 years, uh, first work day, not as mayor of Mississauga, and you spent it with us here on Newsmakers, so I'm very appreciative of that. Thank you very much, Ms. Grumby. Thank you for having me today, Louie. Have a great day. I'm feeling refreshed and emboldened um, and really exhilarated. This is going to be a great challenge, and I'm up for it. Liberals are back. Best of luck. There you go. Uh, Miss Crombie, my thanks to her for joining me. And one more time, uh, Doug Ford, I have reached out. I am still awaiting your reply, but you are more than welcome uh, to join us this month as uh, we check in with the Ontario leaders and their respective parties. Uh, but... There's the invitation there for you, Mr. Ford. All right. Once again, thanks for joining us. My thanks to Laura Brody for directing today's show. Make sure to like and subscribe. From all of us here at CHCH, I'm Louis Butko. Have a great day.